Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, I want to begin by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This morning we are going to be participating in the Lord's Supper. And this is a memorial celebration. And so what I want to do is I want to spend some time uh, um, just remembering, uh, focusing on what Jesus exactly has, has done on our behalf. First of all, he left heaven. He gave up heaven and all of the glory of heaven for you and me. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus set aside his deity. Not only did he set it aside, but he took the lowest position that, that could be had in society. It says he gave up his divine privilege and he took the humble position of a slave. You know, remember, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. You know, let's understand just exactly what that means. Let, let's understand the, the impact of that. Now, I've already read Philippians 2, 5 and following, but I'm going to read it again using a, a, just a different translation. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, just, just so that we're keeping on the same page together, when it says being in the form of God, what that is meaning is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And then being in human form also means that Jesus is human, fully human. 
Jesus is at the same time fully God and at the same time fully human. Now, some people struggle with that, but God is God and God can do what God does. And so for Jesus to be fully God and fully human, that's, that's something only God can accomplish. And the fact that it says that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or as it says in the New International Version, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What this is telling us is that Jesus didn't use his deity to make life easier on himself. You know, during his earthly life, he, he didn't use, his, you know, pull out his God card when he needed it to go easier for him. In other words, Jesus didn't cheat, okay? There are some um, unauthorized gospels out there that talk about when Jesus was a little boy, he would... Um, heal a bird with a broken arm by just laying his hands on it. You know, there, there's all these sort of stories out there. What this is, what the scripture is telling us is that Jesus was being fully human. He didn't do anything that a human couldn't do that. And that's important for us to understand. Now in verse seven, it says that he made himself nothing which literally means he emptied himself. So what exactly did Jesus empty himself of? Well, let's start by what he did not, what this is not saying. Jesus did not become less God than he always was. You know, that, that this, is, this stuff is really important. Um, you know, I, the, the, the Heidelberg Catechism was mentioned, and, and we need to understand because as Americans living in this century at this time, we have moved a long way from the early days of, of Christianity. And we have, I think, gotten sloppy in our theology. And the, and the, the result is people just kind of believe whatever they want to believe. And we, th we think, well, there's this big umbrella and everybody just fits under it. That is not correct. We need to understand that theology is like walls and, and that theology keeps us headed in the right direction. We need to know what the Bible teaches and we need to submit to and obey what the Bible teaches. It is not okay for this little group to believe this over here and this little group to believe this over here and say, oh, that's okay. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. We have to go by what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches, nothing more, nothing less. Now, Jesus did not become less God 
when he took on his human form. Uh, you know, and, and when Jesus took on his human form, that is known as the incarnation. And all that means is that God is in human flesh. You know, that, that when Jesus was born, he was incarnated as God becoming human. Now, we know from verse 8 that this was a humbling event. Think about it. You know, Jesus is God. He's sitting in heaven with all of the honor, all of the glory, all of, all of the stuff that makes him God. And however, though, he stepped out of that. He, he's the king of heaven. And instead, he takes on human flesh. And, and he, he chose not to bring all of the benefits with him. Again, he didn't cheat. He got thirsty. He got hungry. He got tired. He got frustrated. He got tempted. Everything that you and I feel as, as human beings, Jesus experienced. He didn't give himself a pass. So when he stepped down from heaven, he... He gave up the, the benefits, if you will, of being God. And can you imagine the humility that that took, the, how humbling that, that was? And it's not like he came to earth and said, well, I'm God, and so I'm going to make myself a king on earth so that people follow me and, and, and obey my every command. He humbled himself to the point that he came as a servant, a slave. He came in the lowest possible way that he could. That would be a humbling experience to go from God to a slave but that's what he did. And he willingly humbled himself by being perfectly obedient to the will of God, even to endure the suffering of the cross. You know, again, he, he felt everything you and I felt. You know, he grew up in the desert of Palestine. Do you suppose he ever burned his, his hand picking up a tool because it was so hot or stepped on a thorn and got, you know, got a sticker in his foot? He had the same experiences that, that we can have. And he, he did this in order to follow his father's plan of salvation, even though he knew that it would lead him to the cross. So, so what, what's being said here is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, displayed the ultimate example of obedience and humility by taking on the life of a, a, a servant so that by his innocent suffering and death on the cross, he became our substitute and our resurrection from the dead. Our sin debt was paid through Jesus. And all of those who believe in him will be saved. And we will be raised to eternal life. Acts 16, verse 30 and 31, it says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they, the disciples, or the, the apostles said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. 
in like manner, and, and this is where we need to pay attention. We as Christians are called to empty ourselves. We are to be just like Jesus. We have the Spirit of God living inside us. And so we are to humble ourselves. How? By serving others. Just as Christ served us, we are to, to serve others. And Jesus didn't do it for his own personal gain. He did it so that he might minister to and serve people in order to draw them to the kingdom of God. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. We are to set aside ourselves. We are to set aside our egos. We are to set aside our rights. And we are to serve God just like Jesus did. Jesus gives us the example in John 13, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And if I wash, if, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Today, or truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, now pay attention to this. Blessed are you if you do them. It's not enough to know the stories. You have to live the Christian life. You can't just give lip service to God. You have to actually put it into practice. Romans 5 verses 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So what does that mean? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you become a Christian, that doesn't mean that you just inherited a genie who is going to follow you around and make your life go smoother. That is not at all what has happened. When you commit your life to Jesus Christ, it means that you surrender your entire being to God. You turn it over. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We need to understand that, and we need to practice that. That means that my agenda is gone. Your agenda is gone. The agenda now is to live for the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. That is your job in life. That, that is your primary function. 
So let's remember what Jesus has done for us. He set aside heaven and all that that entails to come to earth as an ordinary man to serve and to show us what it means to be a part of, of the kingdom. Secondly, Jesus came to show us the, the extent of God's love and his mercy. He came to show us that, that God cares about us. Jesus said in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty, uh, to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What this is saying is people who are beaten down, people who are burdened, people who, who are broken, he came to give us life. He came to give us healing. He came to give us hope. He came to give us salvation. And that's, that's the point of, of Christianity. God cares about you each and every one of you. He calls you. you know, think about it. The God of the universe wants a personal, intimate relationship with each and every one of us. You know, in Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And then in Luke 12, Jesus says, even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Understand you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Jesus is, is helping his disciples to understand their personal value, their worth, the, the, the fact that God places tremendous value on each and every life. You know, and Jesus is comparing his, his disciples to birds. You know, and, and again, sparrows are the most common little bird there is anywhere. And, and certainly by most people's standards, they're, they're not very important. You know, they're just little creatures. But in God's eyes, they are valuable enough to know that not one of them dies without God knowing it. You know, that, that's, that's important to understand. You know, like, like sparrows, you know, it, it, sometimes we might feel small. We might feel insignificant. We might, we might feel unimportant. You know, most, most of the world doesn't know we exist. You know, and, and, and certainly our contributions are, are nothing of the stuff of front page headlines, you know, what is there? There's just short of what, 8 billion people on earth right now. And, and we don't know, you know, we don't know billions of, of people. And so technically we're all nameless. We're all faceless. But Jesus wants you to understand that with God, there is no such thing as a nameless faceless individual. He knows you so intimately that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, for some of you, he doesn't have to count very high, but 
you know, we, we need to understand the, the significance of this. Every person on earth matters to God. He knows every detail of every life, and he cares deeply about what happens to each and every one of us. You know, there, there is no person on this earth who God looks at and says, man, I really dislike you. You know, God loves all of us. Realize how precious in the sight of God you are. It doesn't matter how bad a person you have become or what you have done in your life. God stands there and says, I love you so much that I am extending my gift of salvation to each of you. You, you could be the most horrible human being on the planet and God would still say, I love you and I want to redeem you. How much does he love you? John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God is very invested in each of your lives. God loves each of us so much that Jesus came to die on a cross. We can't save ourselves. We need to understand that. It, it, you know, we cannot do anything to measure up to God. You know, Jesus' death on the cross is the only way that you can have a relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now, that should be great news. You know, uh, people should say, man, that is that's what I've been waiting for. That, that's what I've been hoping for. You would think people would receive this message with joy and happiness, but they don't. And why is that? Because we love sin. We love rebellion and and we love sin and we love rebellion more than we love God and more than we love living righteously. Roman, Bible says so in Romans 3, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. No one does good, not a single one. We need to remember Jesus came to us. We didn't come to him. You know, he, he loved us so much that while we are sinners, he died for us. We had our backs turned to God when Jesus went to the cross. We, we did not do anything to initiate this relationship. Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God shows how much he loves us. Jesus paid the penalty that each of us has on our head. And because we are rebellious sinners by nature, you know, we honestly deserve damnation. I deserve to go to hell. That is the best I can do. Uh, period. And I tell you the same is true for each and every one of us. 
But God loves us and he doesn't want us to go to hell. So Jesus stepped up. He took our penalty on himself. You know, only God in human form can pay the price for human sin. And so that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2.8 again, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So today we're going to be eating this bread and drinking this cup. And, and what we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. Jesus died a horrible death on a cross, not because he was bad, but just the opposite, because he was perfect, because he, he was perfectly human. He was holy. He was righteous. And so by the sacrificial system, only a perfect lamb can be offered for a sacrifice. And Jesus died as the lamb of God for each and every one of us. If we believe he died for anyone who will believe that he is God in the flesh and that he died for anyone who believes in him. My question is, do you believe that that's what's where salvation hinges? If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time. You know, maybe maybe you went through the motions of praying a prayer or getting baptized or going to confirmation classes. None of that stuff saves you. Joining a church doesn't save you. The only thing that saves you is when you come to the place of understanding that I am a sinner. I am separated from God. I cannot get to God on my own. And so I fall at the foot of the cross and I say, Jesus, please save me. I can't do this on my own. I can't do anything other than accept your gift of salvation. It's only when you devote your life, in other words, all of who you are, it is only when you devote your life to Jesus that, and, and, and as a result, the course of your life changes. Instead of being on your own path, headed in your own direction, you now say, God, my life belongs to you. I will do what you ask of me. I lay down my life and I give it to you. And from that moment forward, when you begin to walk in obedience to Christ, that's where salvation happens. The apostle Paul talks about working out your salvation. That's what it means that, that you, you mess up and you say, God, I'm sorry, I, I messed up again. And, and I want to I be right with you. And so you move forward and you keep, you keep committing your life to Christ. I have a quote here by a, a pastor by the name of Paul Washer. It says, don't even think that I will ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. 
whether you serve him or not. You can love him, hate him, bless him, or curse him. He is the Lord of your life because God has given him above every name so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I want to invite you to commit your life to Christ this morning. Again, there's no fancy thing that has to happen. You just resolve, I am committing my life to Christ because he died for you. It's, it's fitting, it's appropriate that you turn your life over to him because he is Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning because you are God. There is no other God but you. And we devote our lives to you this morning. We commit our lives to you this morning. And I just pray that if there are individuals in this room who have never committed your, their lives to you, that today they would do that. Today they would resolve once and for all that I'm giving, I'm giving it all over. Please, Father, help them to make that commitment. And I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen.